Blog Talk Radio. Happy Fourth of July, America. This is Billy. Jones, the author of Everyday Folks Books and the creator of Everyday Folks Radio. Thank you for listening again on today, Sunday, July 3rd. As we celebrate this 4th of July weekend, I do hope that you're taking the time to recognize the importance of this holiday. Granted, it is a great time to get with family and friends and to rest. But above all, it's important for us to recognize that 240 years ago, our forefathers decided to do something very special, and that is create our own independence and create what we know today, a great nation. So thank you for listening. If you haven't been listening for the past few weeks, you probably are, are probably not aware that today is a special day for us as well. In addition to celebrating the 4th of July, we're, I'm happy to announce that we have officially reached our 30th episode here on Everyday Folks Radio. So thank you. Thank you so much for your continued support. It's been a little over half a year now that we've been doing since early January. It doesn't go without recognition. And we stand under the shoulders of you listeners. For your, and with your continued support, we're able to do what we do here at Everyday Folks. So congratulations. Also, special shout-out to the Daily Dose of K-Pop Girls. This past Friday, July 1st, was their third episode, and their show continues to build momentum. So congratulations, ladies, and for those of you listening, please do continue to support our efforts. July 15th, we will be running at 1 p.m. another segment of Daily Dose of K-Pop. And as well, this upcoming Saturday, I encourage you to take part in the incredible story in session with Anike S. Journey into Passion at 2 p.m., where we biweekly and uh, Anike is bringing forth amazing topics in some really good interviewees who are focusing and discussing on their, their own journeys as it relates to finding their passions, but also helping others to explore those passions too. Anike is doing a few creative things that I think will be um, both entertaining and informative, so I do hope you will tune in biweekly to her show. So her next show airs again this upcoming Saturday, July 9th. And then lastly, special shout to my new family, members of the South Florida Writers Association. Your work and the things that we are doing, it's, it's very impressive. It's great to be in a community of other writers. And yesterday I had the privilege of sitting through a two-and-a-half-hour session where members of the organization had a five-minute time where they could actually stand in front of the audience, us, and read an excerpt of their work or a poem. So it was great to hear such to hear the variety and such that was taking place. For those of you who are listening to this show outside of Miami, please do I do apologize for the weather, but Mother Nature and I did not have an agreement today. So on occasion you may hear some thunder in the background, which is okay. It adds to the mood and the excitement of our show today. And the topic today, as I shared on the blog and on my on on the webpage, this is a variety show, part two. And on these shows, again, no interview, no interviewees or special guests in the audience. None of those, no, no special call-ins unless you'd like to call me. It's just a conversation with you and me about a, a, a focused topic. 
And today we'll be discussing the meaning of independence as it not only pertains to America, but also as it relates to our own sense of identity. And so this is a great time for you to chat and question and request any information you may have about the topic. You may call me at 347-539-5372. Again, that call-in line is 347-539-5372. And you may email me your questions, comments, or requests at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. So here's what we're going to start with. First, we'll start with some interesting facts about some interesting facts about the about the Fourth of July. And here are some things that you may not know that are true about the Fourth of July holiday. One, Robert Livingston. As you know, there were many founding fathers, but there was one person who never signed the, Decla- the, the Declaration of Independence, and that was Robert Livingston. In fact, his state, of which I cannot recall at the moment. His state actually recalled him from voting, so he did not uh, cast a vote. Secondly, as I mentioned earlier, it's 240 years since we signed that document. But many are unaware that this document was a work in progress. It was finalized as far as an official document on July 2nd, but it was officially voted on on July 4th. So here we are 240 years later in a very different America. Even when I studied the Declaration of Independence, there are, some, there are a few lines in there that remind me of the difference in era as it pertains to, the, to what the forefathers lived. But when I look at where we're at today, what it means to be independent for me is so important. I'll tell you why. One, everyone wants the gift of independency, and America is one of those few great nations that allows you to do that, provided that you play your cards right. Secondly, in independence, According to the website AddictedToSuccess.com, there are eight main values, benefits of being independent, and here they are. The first one is personal independence. It boosts your confidence. That's true. Secondly, independence provides less resilience, excuse me, less reliance on others. So you're more reliant upon yourself. Third, it provides emotional independence, and it reduces stress and promotes happiness, which is very key. Fourth, financial independence means freedom of and a sense of accomplishment. Five, better decision-making. Six, personal improvement and creativity. It's promoted through the means of independence. Seven, it broadens your horizons. And then finally, number eight, It provides self-value and self-esteem. Ultimately, when we look at independence, we want to be self-reliant financially. We want to be able to build our own relationships, and we want our own space, a physical space and also a a metaphysical or mental space, emotional space, where we can be and create whoever we desire to be. Interesting enough, when I first realized independence was important to me was when I first entered college. And college was a, it's a, it's a very exploratory time. I realized that if I worked very hard, as I've seen in my own family, for family members who both had gone to college and not, I thought that independence automatically meant that a better degree would provide that. But in truth, it's more than just a degree that, that affords you the opportunity of it. It's really your state of mind and where you're at and how you govern your life and life's choices and circumstances in order to 
be successful, and, and also to thrive in order to exist. Establishing that independency required that I needed to have a good career that would afford me to take care of myself and not be reliant on, on, a, on a system, whether it be my family or anything else. Also, I needed to know what it meant and what were my needs versus my wants. And it's important that we distinguish between those two realities. What are our needs and what are our wants? And then lastly, I want to be fulfilled with every decision or by every decision or the outcome of every decision that I make. And so, therefore, my happiness plays an integral role in that process of independence. One would assume that just be by being on one's own that it automatically happiness will follow. But if you're not careful and if you don't have a social support network around you to help, enjoy that experience. It could get quite lonely. So, therefore, personal independence, it does provide a sense of, of confidence, but it, also, it could also promote or negate if you're not careful. Many, of the, many years ago, I remember when I first bought my, my first home, I was 26 years old. And I remember the night before I moved out, I had moved back in home and I was staying with family. I was ready. The closing was done. The moving truck was ready because my grandfather owned a moving company. And I was determined to be in my house by that close of that weekend, which was that Sunday. So I moved in officially that Saturday. And I remember my, my mom saying very distinctly, you know, if you don't, if it ever, never works out, you can always come back. You can always come here and you'll always have support. And although I appreciate what she offered, I also realized that if I did come back, for whatever reasons, it would be only temporary. And then secondly, the, the need for me to come back, it does not preempt the fact that I should use that as an example to come back when life gets tough. I need to learn how to stick it out and see things through. And so when I did get into my own place and, and began to live my independency, I started to truly value what my parents went through in order to make sure I had a sense of security as I was being brought up. From the moments of having to make sure that there's food on the table, the utilities, those are the obvious, and, of course, the roof over their head. But also the other luxuries of life, such as there's always toilet paper in the cabinet, and if you need more, someone in the house who is an adult always replenished it. Or when you come home and the day becomes night, the, the, the shades need to be drawn. The blinds need to be closed. There is a ritual of bringing the house into the evening setting. But when you're independent, you have to do all those things yourself. And so it's important to realize that independence comes with a price. doesn't mean it's a bad thing, that, but nonetheless, it's, it's a needed thing. And I think it pushes you in a place where you can grow. According to Charles Dickens, Dickinson, who Charles Dickens, one of my favorite authors, you probably heard of him. He wrote A Christmas Carol. He wrote A Great Expectation, both works I've read and I think are very well praised. They also paint the haunting reminder of a changing America in his time. And so poverty was one of the themes that, was, that permeated much of his works. One quote that comes to mind from one of his works is this, no one is useful in this world who, who lightens the burden of others. And I thought that was very interesting that he said that because at the end of the day, I don't mean to be a burden to anyone, and I would hope that my choices don't allow me to do so. And I think that's what our forefathers began to realize. When we were still attach, attached to, to Britain and having our reliance, our governance, our structure of a nation being reliant upon another system, at some point this great nation's forefathers or those at least who became them started to realize that in order for us to truly grow and develop the democracy that we live today, 
some 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 ties had to be severed, and that's always a hard call to have, to make. And so when we make those calls, yes, there is going to be an ugly space where things are going to be very uncomfortable. But in the end, it all works out. Tell me what you think about those topics. What does it mean to be independent to you? You may email me now at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Or you can call me at 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347 539 Five three seven two. I do have a couple questions coming in now. I'd like to read the first. It's from Denise, who lives in Orlando, Florida. Denise, thank you so much for listening. Here goes. I have been living at home with my parents all my life. I am now 28 years old, college educated, and desire my own space. But I can't afford living on my own just yet. Any advice? Well, Denise, first I say thank you for the question and also thank you for sharing something so personal, so sacred to you. I would say this. It is hard living in any progressive city. Well, it's hard living anywhere in America, but especially in a major city. I am a native of Miami, Florida, and I always wonder how do people live here considering the average income of a a Miamian is $31,000, which is well below the national average of $53,000 plus. And then secondly, I also am concerned with the fact that, as a result, it's hard to establish independency when you have to rely on others for your own livelihood in terms of sharing a common space and also finding an, or generating an income that will allow you to live a quality life. And so my, my advice to you is as follows. There are many individuals who are college educated, some with bachelor's, master's, and term, many, several with terminal degrees too, who find themselves back at home or even after the degree, the expectation is that life would just unfold and, and, and the opportunities would be abound. Those years have passed, and what I'm finding now is that more individuals are forcing themselves or finding themselves in circumstances where they're taking jobs or odd-end circumstances to meet, make things meet. They find themselves in other industries that may be outside the field, which sometimes makes them more qualified. And so it's a very hard space. And I also have to acknowledge the fact if you are one of these individuals, they're having student loans and having a financial obligation for eternity as far as that is concerned. That also adds pressure to the, to the situation. It adds fuel to the flame. So my advice to you is as follows. Have a conversation with a career services specialist. Fortunately, you're in Orlando. Um, there are several agencies. If you send me an email, in fact, my dear colleague recently opened a, an organization which helps individuals make those career transitions. And it speak, sounds to me like you're in a space where the career transition is, is you want one, but you, you're just lacking the opportunity perhaps. And it may not be entirely you. It could be the season, or perhaps it could be something you're contributing to the cause as well. Maybe perhaps the, the, the career path or the degree path, I should say, the degree path that you chose is, is one that may have a setback or may not have a hiring interest. But if you have a degree, and I can honestly say there are several degrees that are out there that are hybrid in nature, you're able to create opportunities for yourself, what other skills and talents do you possess? So, for instance, if you are in a civil engineering major, what, what skills and talents do you have that not only will afford you an opportunity in that field, but also will expose you and provide you a means of survival and income outside the field where you'll still feel inspired to work or contribute? 
And then also I ask, follow up with me because I also like to know, what are your talents and interests? When you were in college, what type of student were you? What are the things, if I ask other individuals who know you, if I ask them who who are you, Denise, and what does Denise like to do? What are her talents and strengths? What would they say compared to what you say of yourself? All of these things play a role. My advice is to start having the conversation with others, speaking to career services specialists, calling or contacting your alma mater, your university or college, and asking for the career services or the alumni association to help connect you back to some resources too. And above all, get into a community support network. The, the Chamber of Commerce in your community is very helpful. Many universities offer job fairs and supports in that regard. And, of course, your mentor faculty. It's important, if you haven't done so, to reach back to your faculty professors or mentors while you're in college and ask for their support and insight. Because even though they may not have the answer, but they may know someone who does. And I do hope that it helps answer your question. In fact, Denise's question, it also talks about, it helps, it reminds me of number six of the rules that I, or, or benefits of, of having independence that I read earlier, personal improvement and creativity. What creative interests do you have? Chris from Fort Worth, Texas, just sent me an email. He asked the following. When the U.S. declared its independence, it set the path for many opportunities for many communities. Billy, who do you think has benefited the most from this historic move? Great question. In all honesty, Chris, I think we all have. If you look at it from one side, some of the more disadvantaged, in a sense, were the Native Americans. But there also, I feel, is an advantage to that because they also receive certain liberties that most Americans do not receive. So there has been a benefit. And above all, the nation itself as a whole. This nation is built on immigrant immigration. And so folks come to America because it is a land of second chances. So before, it was very color-divided, and even to today, we still are permeated with the issues of racism. But now it's manifested into a new form as we look at the Orlando massacre, and we look at all the other hate crimes that take place that are happening in very sensitive places, from schools to nightclubs to, other, to churches. There's an attack on humanity. And what, what, we, what we need to realize is that we're all the one race, which is the human race, I think we all benefit from that. And the more we understand and embrace each other's differences, the more we realize we're we're truly very similar in the same. Thank you so much for that question, Chris. In fact, we all want to achieve financial independence. And for one, it's always great. We always have that dream when we win the lotto. What will we do? And I ask this question to you. If you were to win the lotto, how much of your life would change for the better And that doesn't mean just having the freedom and being able to go to the store to buy the things or have the dream home you've always wanted. It means what also, what would you do for others, others who don't know you versus those who do? Because there is an expectation, it seems, that the more financially independent you are, the more you're supposed to do for others. And I have to say that that I'm feeling different on that. Because of the fact that I do have more, does it mean that I'm supposed to do more? But what it means is that you're supposed to have a sense of humanity and be very altruistic and helpful towards others. And it doesn't mean you have to throw a dollar sign at it. But we do know that the dollar makes the world go around, especially the American dollar. There is that pressure. So it is very conflicting. Lonnie from Trenton, New Jersey, writes the following. Thank you, Trenton, and Lonnie for up in Trenton for reaching out to me. Here's the question. 
can one have independence in an intimate relationship, such as being married or living with a significant other? Good question, Lonnie. I'll speak from experience. I am in a committed relationship for nearly a decade, and I can't see my day. I feel that I still have my independence and I have a voice, even though I share that space of independence with someone else. The first thing that one needs to keep in mind when it comes to any relationship is what what brought you together first? What are the things that brought you together? And you can't lose sight of that. It's not only the where that brought you together, but why and the how. And if you have to constantly remind yourself of that, that's a good thing. It should be the open means of communication that you and your better half are having a discussion about. But you can have independence in an intimate relationship. Now, there are different types of intimate relationship. I need you to define that for me. Because I may have, I have an, in, an intimate relationship when it comes to my better half. But I also have an intimate relationship with dear friends and family members. But in all regards, whether I'm sharing a common space with them, I have my moments. I need my independence. And all of that starts with self. What are you contributing to that cause or to that circumstance that will allow you to define what that independence is in your life? And then also having a discussion because sometimes our definitions of independence, they get misconstrued. And when we start being impacted by the decisions or opinions or feelings of others, the denotation of independence is further restricted, if not becomes further complex. So my recommendation to you is, yes, or my response is rather, yes, there is. You can be in a married or living with a significant other and have your independence. But if you find to a point where you need the independence to escape that individual, that becomes another problem. That's a whole different conversation. So I hope, Lonnie, don't use the question of finding yourself. It shouldn't be a means to escaping someone else because those truly are two different spaces. I may need my time alone for my better half, but I don't need to be living alone or I don't need to be on a temporary basis away from um, him in order to enjoy or find my independence. When I find that I do, I need to have a conversation with him first and above all, second with myself. I hope that answered your question. Folks, if you're just now listening to Everyday Folks Radio, it's me, Billy Jones, and you're tuning in to BJ Speaks, the Variety Show Part 2. If you'd like to speak to me at any time, you may call me at 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. And if you'd like to email me your comments or your requests, you're welcome to do so. The lines are open. The, the email line is open. You can email me at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com, everydayfolks with an S, listen at gmail.com. The questions continue, and Ross from Hollywood, Florida, this one's for you. Hold on, Ross, let me get some water. Okay. Ross writes the following. I'm at my wit's end with independence. I have been single, successful, professionally, yet I'm very alone. What do you advise? I'm trying to break my habit. Thank you, Ross. So, Ross, as I said earlier in the show, being independent, it has a price. And, yes, it's great to have your own space and to live alone. But sometimes, and I recall this very distinctly, there are very few instances where I've been alone. I've always I've always dated. But there were times when the holidays roll around, especially for me at least, Christmas, when it's one of those holidays of family, it's nice to have someone to to share it with. 
And so if you don't have someone to share it with, and if you're in a community of other peers, family or friends, who all have families, they're in your age group and they're having families, they're celebrating, it's a very intimate time for that immediate third. So you could sometimes feel like the fifth man or the third wheel, the third man out. And so how, how do you break the feeling of being alone? Well, do you have to first find value in being single? One of the first things I suggest is to get on Groupon, see what's available. Look on meetup.com. Meetup.com is a great repository for connecting with people in your locale on different topics or special interests. It could start with a bring-your-own-beer painting session, and it could lead to a book club or running club. Whatever the case may be, finding a space or finding an, an outlet that will allow you to engage is important. And if you are in a community of other people and you do communicate this feeling with people who know you well, it's always best to talk about it because they also know of opportunities, if not people, that they can connect you with. So it's important to try to do break that habit because if you work, 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 and have nothing to go home to or enjoy life outside of work, life is going to be a little bit arduous. So you definitely want to have your support. Thank you for your question, Ross, and if you'd like some follow-up, you're welcome to do so. Reach out back to me. Here comes more questions. I appreciate the feedback, and this one's from Reynaldo here in Miami, Florida. Thanks, Reynaldo. Here's the question, folks. Having financial security plays a big part in determining to live an independent life. However, living in Miami, very few enjoy that luxury. Do you think Miami is a great place to raise kids? Woohoo! <laughs> well, Reynaldo, my answer is yes because I was raised in Miami. <laughs> I'm a native, and although it's hard to spot us at times, there are good reasons to live in this city. There are also challenges living in any progressive city, too. One of them is the cost of living. And I don't know, and I said it earlier, I don't know how folks survive here, but they do. And the key here is that this is going to be your, your place, at least to raise, your, raise your, your kids. I think it's important to acknowledge the beauty that that can bring. Miami provides the fourth largest school district in America, the fourth largest school district in America. And you couple that with the largest college in America, Miami Dade College, for instance. That's a great pairing. There's great opportunity there. And each of those, those, those constructs provides a, a support or a foundation for building family. First and foremost, it's important to get to know the schools in which your kids go to, get to know the community, so often we stay in our own silos and we don't reach out to our, our neighbors. We don't know our neighbors' names. It's important that there is a connection. Also, it's important to realize that because there, are, there, are, there is a media hype out there about what, it, what Miami is about. There was a recent article that came through. I forgot where. I think it was the Huffington Post or Washington Post, one of the two. There was an article that reported that Miami is the worst place to live. And when I read the article, I must admit as I read it, I nodded in agreement because there were certain aspects about the novel, about the article that I had to concur with. But I also realized that all journalism, including some of the things that I do at times, could be deemed as sensational. And so, therefore, I can't take it as truth with a capital T. We were provided information, but we weren't provided full core facts. I'm not sure whatever instrument was used in terms to define reliability and validity of the instrument. Don't know if it was a very sound representation of what Miami is and what types of questions to engage to find out what Miami or the worst cities are. And so, but it's easy for people to get influenced by such opinions. And so, if you did read that article, I do hope that you'll reconsider. I don't know where you are in your own particular life, 
whether you are Native or otherwise or happen to be here temporarily. But I will say that Miami is a great place for doing that if you find the right outlets and support to do so. I'm still here. And, yes, there are times I've wanted to flee. But if I do flee, then who's going to be here to do the great work to change the, the opinion around? So it's important that you recognize that Miami, just like any other major city, has its, its setbacks. But there's truly opportunity for all. Thank you for that question, Reynaldo. You you forced me to reflect as well. Okay, we have more questions coming in. I see that we're flying here, and there are about 15 to 20 minutes left in the show. This question comes from Anike S. Madison. Anike, my dear colleague, thank you for listening as always. If you could talk to your 26-year-old self who has just started out a starting out about what he needs to do in order to prepare for the life he's lived today. What advice would you give? Great question, Anike. So I'm talking to 26-year-old Billy, and this is what I'd say to him. What I'd say to him, don't sweat the small stuff because it is all small stuff. I'm not saying that we just go out there and spin frivolously. What I'm saying here is that there are going to be moments when when fear will grip you, the sudden understanding that everything or the burden of the world of your independence, it it rests on your shoulders. Get that. But what I would say to my 26-year-old self is not to take it so seriously because then you have to think about it. How did our parents survive? And they had us. How did they live? And if they were able to do it, and yes, times were just as hard for them as they are for us now. It's just manifested into new forms and new circumstances. How do we how do we weather those storms? It's how we make or inform our decisions and who we surround ourselves with as well. And another thing I would also say is the other advice is to surround myself with people who are going to uplift me so that when I do come with these moments of vulnerability, when I re- reveal these feelings of doubt, they're not going to be there and sugarcoat reality, but they're going to also support me and provide some feedback in terms of where I should be going. And I could say that that helped me a lot. I wish I had done a lot. I I always surrounded myself with positive people, but I always wonder if I had done it even more strongly than I already have, what would it have afforded me as a result? And then thirdly, always have a sense of financial literacy and whatever that financial literacy will be, meaning if you are making a certain income a year, let's say that income is $50,000, how much of that $50,000 can you speak still in your bank account or sitting somewhere not just for a contingency plan, but they're ultimately to help fulfill all facets of your life, whether it be emergencies and also your happiness. I don't like for people to tell me how to spend my money, and I don't like to tell people how to spend theirs. But one thing I can say is there is a way to save always. And we could come up with $30 or $40, for instance, to, to eat out or to, to go to see a $15 or $12 movie. We're able to take that money and save it elsewhere. But then again, saving the money allows us to enjoy those luxuries. So I would tell my younger self not to script my life so hard where I'm not living it to its fullest, but instead have good checks and balances, celebrate milestones of achievement, and surround myself with people who are going to further my own viewpoint and help me grow as an individual. Thank you for that question, Anike. More questions continue, and I'm going to keep reading them off here. This one's from Sydney. Actually, yes, Sydney from New York City. I'm reading here the inbox. New York City, New York, thanks for listening up north. Does education make independence much more attainable? And how has it worked for you, Billy? Thanks, Sydney. 
education does help. Research has shown that folks who have at least a baccalaureate degree are four times more likely to retire as a millionaire if you add up all the years of income of an average income that you will have gained, even though that's a silly fact, but it's one of motivation. Another to, another point to acknowledge is that education does change things, but it's what you do with that education. Because I know folks who have many degrees, and they still don't know who they are and what they want to do with those degrees. And so ultimately, an education, a college degree, should make one more well-rounded in an understanding of oneself. You have to have your, a, a conversation with yourself and know how to check in and to check out of the things that work or are not working for you. And so I do feel that um, education does make a difference, but I can also name individuals who are, do not have a college education. They are professional individuals who work in blue-collar labor areas in services that I call on all the time when I need them around my home. So they, too, are educated. I put them in the same category as myself. And so when you don't have a trade or you don't have a formal professional, uh, a formal college education, let's say, using that as an example, or a certification in that matter, it makes the journey a lot more arduous. And so education, does, it is empowerment, but, it does, it, but it's not a means to an end. You have to, the person makes that degree. It's not the degree that makes the person. Thank you. More questions? Ramona, this is for you for, right here in Miami, Florida. She, Ramona writes, great work, BJ. I love your show. Who instilled your drive for independence? Hmm. Well, I watched my grandfather, Eddie Jones, who's 79 years old and still with me today, and my grandmother, Betty Jones, who's 75. They're both alive and well today. I knew that they, they both never graduated from high school. They had my mom at the age of 14. And so, but even still, they didn't make excuses, and they moved into their own place at the ages of 18 and 14, respectively, to raise their family. And then by the time they were 26 and 22, they had seven kids. And they also had their house that they bought in Richmond Heights here in Miami, Florida. And so when I look at that situation, I realize, and I remember the conversations with my grandfather and also my amazing mother, Betty Jones Fernandez. I had conversations with them, and I remember the things that they would say. Go to school so you could use your head and your, your, your hands, your body for this. He pointed his head, my grandfather, that is, and not just for this. He would show his hands. And I realized that at the end of the day, that education was empowerment, but it was more than that. Quote what Michelle Obama said to her husband in an interview recently. Their old, eldest daughter just graduated from high school and is about to start college. And even though Obama, he said he almost got choked up, he admitted at the microphone, about talking and celebrating his daughter's success. But his wife reminded him of this, and this is what she said. We had to raise our kids so that they would no longer need us. Very powerful line. And I can say that my parents, my grandparents, my mom, they instilled that in me so that once I became who I wanted to be and I was in a safe place, and I was making good choices. They were there to guide along the way, but ultimately I need to make the choice and step up and be a real man. So I realized at that point that my, in, that my, my choices, that drive started with those three. Two more, a few more questions. I think it's like four or five coming in, and we're down to the last ten minutes of the show. So if you do have a last-minute question you'd like to get in, you're welcome to call me at 347 Five three, excuse me, three four seven five three nine five three seven two. Again, three four seven five three nine five three seven two. Or you can email me as you're doing now at everydayfolkslisten at gmail dot com. Maria from Miami, Florida, writes the following: 
I grew up in a house much similar to yours, Billy. There were always people coming and going, however. Recently, two years ago, I got my own place. However, some family members from the past keep contacting me to live with me as roommates. I hate to say no and don't want anyone to kick me when I'm down, but I love my independence. What should I do? First, Maria, I thank you for that question. It sounds to me like you've worked very hard to get to where you're at today and to be able to enjoy the luxury of independence, which is what it's all about. Forget it. So I salute you there. However, I think also, too, when you watch over the years, you, I'm sure you may have seen the dynamics of your household. You may not have been able to make a, a form an opinion or at least voice your opinion in the decisions to allow others to come in. And now, finally, you're faced with a circumstance where you're allowed to make those calls on your own. It's important that you realize that it's important to set appropriate boundary with everyone, whether it be your significant other or family members or friends, and co-workers too. Set an appropriate boundary. If someone's going to be coming to live with you, beware of those squatters' laws and requirements of your particular locale. I know here in Miami, for instance, in Florida, be careful when you let someone stay more than 24 hours because once you do, they can very well establish domicile in your home and then you have to go to the legal means to get them out. Or be even also more careful as to why people are making the call or finding the desire to have to live with you. Because if the reason why they want to live is because they want to escape the tyranny of a, parent, a parental ruling, for instance, or they may be in a serious circumstance of domestic violence or, or spousal abuse and they need a place of refuge, and they may find that with you. Those are the decisions you have to ultimately make. But even still, no matter how sensitive, you should make a contract agreement with how long the stay is and get it in writing. If there's a financing involved, if they're going to be your subleasing or paying out subleasing your space to someone else, that needs to be memorialized somewhere. At the end of the day, you need to make sure that all expectations are clear, not only for you but also for the other person involved too so that there is no confusion and that there is no hostility in the interaction, especially in your, your living space. Great question. Craig from Orlando, Florida, asked the following. Thank you, Craig. How does being independent promote better decision-making? Good question. Well, when you're independent, if you made it and reached the level of attainment of independence, that's, you, you, made, you had to make some choices and make some calls in order to get there. And it's safe to say that if you're making such calls to be able to live on your own and then you do it for a period of time successfully, it means that you're making some really good decisions. And so being independent does promote better decision-making because ultimately when decisions need to be made about um, whatever it is that is that, that's going on in your life, Craig, you're able to make those calls and be fulfilled. But also people who are truly independent are not afraid to seek the help or advice of others who know them well and who will provide very positive influence, if, if possible, they're not afraid to surrender that decision-making option to someone else, too. So you've got to know where you're at, Craig, in that regard, and understanding that, yes, it does promote a better decision-making process. It also promotes creativity, as I said earlier. The more you are able to be in your own space, the more freely you are to be able to produce, think, and evolve. And I know for me, it was eight years, eight years when I lived totally on my own, when I first bought my home, eight of those 16, 17 years that I've now owned it, I lived alone. I may have dated and I may have dated and gone different places with my, my significant other, 
and we may have stayed over at each other's homes, but it was not until about seven, eight years ago where I really lived with someone and began to realize what that meant. And you learn a lot about a person when you start sharing your space with them. And so I do feel that it ultimately did promote, and I, I became a better person as a result through my independence. I became very resilient. I'm able to bounce back when there are problems, that is, when problems come up. I'm not quickly calling on mama. And my dear friend Kip, the owner of Black Tongue Clothing, she says this all the time. She says this, she says, people, everyone wants to be grown until the problems come. And when the crap hits the fan, it's when they all start running. And she's not saying that because people who decide to come back and go home, that's not the reason. What she's saying here, we're talking about those folks who sometimes don't, the moment they smell fear, they flee or they hide. That's what that problem is for, and it's that statement for individuals like that. So, Craig, it does have a great promoting aspect. And then lastly, due to the sake of time, we're going to take the last question from Hilda from Miami, Florida. Thanks, Hilda, for listening. Here goes. How do couples find independence in their committed relationships? So earlier I mentioned that finding independence when setting boundaries is important. You have to find space with your significant other and find out what it is that brings you together and keep that fire going. If you are constantly having to surround yourself, for instance, with other people, and that in itself gives you a sense of security, especially if you're making the call independently to select the people you're hanging with, is a problem you should be able to share in that common interest and have some common interest. And then also, having open communication above all, you have to be communicative in all that you do, especially in a relationship. If something's not working, we need to talk about it. Too often we're too afraid of what others may feel, and we don't want to be insensitive. Instead, we will water our fears with smiles and soft, deceitful wiles. And that's not a very good thing. It's unhealthy for everyone involved. So instead, having the open communication with your significant other is important because it keeps the commitment committed. And the more committed you are to conversation, the better you are going, the better you're going to be and the more creative and understanding you're going to be with your relationship as a whole. So, folks, I want to say thank you for listening to the show. This was, your questions were really good. <laughs> so I felt like I was on, I was on, on trial here. <laughs> but nonetheless, I feel that, each of the questions that came in, they provided the brevity of truth that we all live, and that is we're all just trying to get somewhere, and just the little time we have, why not enjoy it meaningfully? I want to leave you with this book. Yesterday or the day before, Thor, I love going to peruse the shelves, and I came across this book. The book is titled The Happiness Handbook, Simple Ways to Change Your Life for the Better, and I don't know the author, but her name is Lisa Sun, and Lisa... Lisa wrote a really cute book about this whole understanding of happiness. And instead of just talking about it, she provides throughout the text in these little vignettes suggestions on how to achieve that happiness from working on self, having having happy walks, as she says, to actually creating a happy wall inside the community. All of these things are helpful because when we spread happiness, It's very contagious, and it's very fulfilling for the receiver as well as the deliverer. So I urge you to establish your independence with the right sense of happiness because independence and happiness can sometimes get misconstrued. What we may think is truth is only temporary. So therefore, find your common space and find the things that interest you and explore your independence, whether it be with a significant other or with you just trying to find you. 
Thank you so much for listening today to our segment of programming here on Everyday Folks Radio. Remember to tune in this upcoming weekend, July 9th at 2 p.m. for another exciting segment with Anika S., A Journey into Passion. And as well, in the subsequent weeks to follow, tune in to other programming and exciting opportunities. It is you, dear listeners, that make Everyday Folks what it is, and I can't thank you enough. You help make fulfill my dream of happiness and independence, and that is the independence of, what, of, of being able to express myself freely and without limits. So thank you for being an audience that has captured to that, and I will listen to you again in the next two weeks for another exciting round of BJ Speaks. Take care.